Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the change of seasons. Thank you for what this weekend is and the days that will come to so many people in Minnesota with uh, deer season. God, thank you for everyone who has chosen to be here with us this morning, whether live or online, and just pray, God, that uh, you would speak through your word today, that we would hear what it is that you have for us. Paul wrote this letter of Galatians with such care, and he loved the people so much that he wrote it to. But God, the words here are for us as well. And so just pray that you would open our ears and our hearts and our minds, that we would uh, let down the walls, that we keep other people away and keep you away sometimes, that we would, we would open those places to you and to what it is that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this is interesting this morning. Uh, those seats that are next to you, there's actually, just so that you're clear, there's actually a deer hunter somewhere that's actually watching live right now in a deer stand. So it's not like you're here with, with space between you. They're there. They're just, they're online this morning. If you are happening to watch us from a deer stand, hello. Uh, it's been an interesting morning since we got here. Technology has not exactly been our friend. And so kind of the, the icing on the technology not working cake was Leah's welcome video where she was upside down. It was not supposed to be that way. That's not a new way of hunting. Uh, it just sort of happened like that. Uh, we're in Galatians 5. And uh, Paul has written this letter to these people that he loves so much. And to this point, most of what he's done is he's laid the case for how God's Word really is all that we need and how Jesus' death on the cross is all that we need. And so now he's going to, in the last two chapters, he's going to kind of take it home and finish it and help us understand really who we are as Christians. And so I realize some of you might not identify yourself as a follower of Jesus. Well, this is going to be a good one for you to hear. Thank you for being here and for listening, because you're going to get an understanding of what it is that Paul is telling us as Christians we need to do. It's not to be perfect. We will never be perfect as Christians. But what Paul is telling us to do, and he's helping us understand that there's right ways to be a Christian and there's ways that are just simply not helpful. So today we make the move to freedom. And it, it seems since the beginning of time, someone has been talking about freedom. Which means that someone has been taking away their freedom or they want more freedom. And, and throughout history, and, and the list is far too long, uh, William Wallace sought freedom for his people. Nelson Mandela sought freedom for his people. One of them fought in a war. One of them more fought with words. Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks fought for their people. They wanted freedom. Oscar Schindler wanted freedom for his people. Chief Joseph wanted freedom for his people. And on and on and on throughout history are people who have stepped forward trying to find freedom for their people. And while I think God recognizes that effort and certainly understands it, what we need to realize, what Paul is saying, the only true freedom we're ever going to have in this life is the freedom that was bought and paid for by Jesus and His death on the cross. That's what Paul is going to talk about in Galatians 5. If you've got notes, um, plan to write fast. We've got to move quickly. But here we go, Galatians 5. So Christ truly set us free. What does freedom mean to you? Maybe right now you feel like you are being oppressed. Maybe you're a part of a group of people that feels oppressed. Maybe you personally feel like you're oppressed. There's people at school that are giving you a hard time or at work that are giving you a hard time or there's somebody around in your neighborhood. Maybe you feel like you are just 
more than anything else, wanting freedom. What does freedom mean to you? What does it mean to be free? Free from what? And then Paul is going to introduce a question we don't ask very often. Free for what? If you were free, what would you do with it? If you're feeling like what I want more than anything else is freedom, what is the reason you want that freedom? What do you want to be free for? Paul helps us answer that question. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. It's so easy to lose our freedom. In America today, you hear some people writing, and I read something not so long ago, and they talked about how it takes three generations, and and countries have longer generations than families do. But it, it takes three generations to lose what someone else fought for. Because by the third generation, you take it for granted and you think it's your birthright. And in America, I think we struggle with this idea of freedom because people don't understand there's a cost to freedom. See, freedom without recognizing the cost is the easiest thing in the world to lose. And in America, I think we're beginning to experience some of that. So verse 2, Paul says, listen. I, Paul, tell you this, if you were counting on circumcision, and he's going to use the word circumcision to, rec- to, uh, to refer to the law, to the law of Moses. If you're counting on that, because that's one of the things that this group of people, the Judaizers are called from Jerusalem, are telling the new Christians that if you're going to go follow this way, you've got to do this just like we did. And that's so much one of the traits of religious people. I want you to be just like me and to do what I had to do, even though I don't do it anymore, is the real story. And Paul says, if you're counting on that, if you're counting on the law to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Why? Because you don't need Jesus. You're going to keep the law perfectly on your own. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, by keeping the law, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. You don't want Jesus. You want God to recognize your hard work. And so often what happens is new Christians get squashed by people telling them what they have to do. I've been in ministry for well over two decades. I still have people telling me what I have to do. You're not enough of this, or you're too much of that, or you don't do this right. And I know at the end of the day, I have to say, God, what are you asking of me? This freedom that we have, it comes at a cost for all of us because there's people that are going to tell us we're doing it wrong. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ, you've fallen away from God's grace. Sometimes when we decide we want to keep the law, and for people who are the religious folks... They think that they're always getting it right. And what they're really doing is saying, you don't need Jesus as much as you need me to tell you what you need to do. But we who live by the Spirit, what does it mean to live in the Spirit? Paul says that as though we understand. It means to live by faith. To trust that voice in the new creation of us as a Christian, that God isn't going to lie. And if that voice doesn't line up with what the Bible says, if the voice doesn't line up with with the way that your heart is leading you, I'm not telling your mind, telling you to go off in a different direction. But the Spirit is never going to lie. That's how we understand. If we live by the Spirit, if we live by faith in Jesus, eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. 
For when we place our faith in Christ, there is no benefit in being circumcised or following the law or being uncircumcised, ignoring the law. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. What are we supposed to do as a Christian? We're supposed to believe in Jesus. And then we're supposed to, in faith, love Jesus, love people, and teach people to love Jesus. That's why we have it as our mission statement. If you wonder, what am I supposed to do? I don't think I'm doing a very good job of being like Jesus. I'm not being a good Christian. I don't feel good about myself. Stop trying to keep the law. Start loving Jesus. Start loving people. And start helping people understand how they can love Jesus. That's really all that Paul's talking about. He says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for He's the one who called you to this freedom. Who is the one that told you that you had to do things in order to be a real Christian rather than to live in faith and love Jesus and love people? This false teaching, when people insist that you keep the law, when people insist that you do the things they have to, they tell you you have to do, whether that's a church or a pastor or another Christian, you can just kind of smile at them and in your mind go, that's not what Jesus says. Are we going to always keep the law perfectly? No. Should we try? Of course we should. We should try because we want to honor God. But there's a difference in demanding and insisting. And he says this false teaching is a little like yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. It gets in quietly, but it does, it does its job. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing the false teaching. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who's been confusing you. There is this religiousness that takes over the church sometimes when people say what you have to do, what you're not doing. You know, you're having too much fun. You need to start doing more of this or that or the other. And yet what God says we have to be aware of is pride. Don't be the person that's telling someone else what they have to do. Be aware of your arrogance in telling someone else they're sinning. Be aware of that sense of religiousness. He says, dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, must keep the law, as some people say I do, why am I still being persecuted? You know what? If you're having a hard time for your faith, we had a hard time around here with technology this morning. Deidre and I had some rough things that happened to us this week that weren't a whole lot of fun. Uh, You maybe noticed her fingers. Um, She's not playing guitar this morning because she didn't want to. She's not playing guitar because I slammed her hand in the tailgate of the truck. It wasn't her fault. I didn't watch what I was doing. But you know what? That's not persecution. That's just me making a mistake. It's me being kind of stupid and careless. But maybe you're feeling like you're being persecuted. Maybe, maybe people are attacking you for what you believe. Maybe people are giving you a hard time because you're trying to live as a Christian. If you're living for Jesus and you're being persecuted in any way, you're probably doing something right. Because the enemy has taken note. If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. Man, over the past few weeks, apparently I really offended some people. It wasn't my intention. My intention was to preach the cross of Christ. But the cross of Christ is offensive. Because we want life the way we want life. We want things to be okay the way we want them. We want our rules to be the rules that everybody follows. If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. That is the human part of Paul. 
What it actually says is, I wish those people that are insisting that you be circumcised would just go castrate themselves. That's pretty extreme. But what he's talking about is they're asking for one thing when they're not even willing to do it for themselves. And that's so often the case with the spirit of religiousness. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But then he has a warning. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. What do you do with your freedom? When we really understand that we're free in Christ, what do we do with it? What do we do with it in America? Seems like an awful lot of people have given it away. But what do we do as individual Christians? You know, if we learn that what Paul says is true, and it is, if we don't have to earn our salvation, Martin Luther, what he used to say was, because you don't have to do good works to earn salvation, because salvation comes from Jesus, we can do good works to serve other people because of what Jesus has already done for us. Is it a have-to list? No, it's a get-to list. It's like giving money to the church or giving time to the church. Do you have to know, but you get to. You get to be a part of something so much greater than ourselves that God Himself created. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Here, buried in the middle of the page in this paragraph, Paul says that the whole law, everything the Old Testament people say you have to keep, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So often, Christians ignore that in favor of their own self-righteous piety. We bite, and we devour, and we chew up, and we spit out other people because they're not doing their Christian thing the way that we are. You need to do it like I do. And when you hear one Christian point their finger and condemn and criticize and just chew up and spit out another Christian, they're trying to please the law. They're not trying to please Jesus. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. How? By listening. How do we let the Holy Spirit guide our lives? By being in God's Word and knowing what the Holy Spirit asks. Paul's going to go on and tell us. But we'll never know with our own sense of understanding. If your moral code of ethics is all that you have to go through life, you're going to fall a long way short. But if we ask God, direct me. God, through your Holy Spirit, tell me what you want me to do. Help me with this decision. Help me in this moment. God's not going to ignore you. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Paul even says somewhere else, the very thing that I don't want to do, the very sin I do not want to commit, is the one I find myself doing over and over and over. That is the sinful nature in us. That is not the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that we ever escape it. But it means that we focus on doing what the Holy Spirit calls and directs us to do. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. How many, you don't have to raise your hands, how many have you at one point in your life said, I'm going to wake up every morning at 6.30 and for 30 minutes I'm going to read my Bible? Oh, if the hands went up, there'd be a lot of them. Your intention was good. That's something God would want you to do. The Holy Spirit would be behind that. But by the third day, you got up at 6.45 and had two cups of coffee and then decided you were getting late and you better go to work. The very thing that we say that we want to do, we stop doing. And so sometimes, what's the checkpoint? The checkpoint, is this what I want or is this what God wants for me? 
Is this what I want to do or is this what God wants for me to do? We know the right thing. It's just so often we don't choose it. See, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. You hear me talk about the two dogs inside of us. One is the the evil and one is the good. One is God and one is Satan. It's two voices. The movies talk about two angels. The Native Americans talk about the two dogs. You know what? The one that wins is the one you feed. Are you going to feed the Holy Spirit in you? Or are you going to feed evil and your own desires in you? It's your choice. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're under no obligation, you are under, not under obligation to the law of Moses. Following or keeping the law of Moses is not what God asks. Having to do it is not what God requires of us. Choosing to fulfill the law, keeping the Ten Commandments by choice, is what God would desire of us. One isn't an expectation and a demand the way that religion so often makes it. But you know, when you understand what Jesus did for you, and when you understand how much of a sinner you and I really are, we want to do right things for Jesus. We want to do other things for other people because we realize what Jesus has done for us. Love Jesus, love people, teach people to love Jesus. Whether it's volunteering in the church, whether it's parting with some of our precious money, whether it's helping someone out who, you know what, everything about their life is what you stand against. Everything that they seem to be about is what you absolutely have opposed and tried not to do your whole life. You know some of those people, but suddenly there's one of them in front of you and they need your help. Are you going to help them or are you going to stand on your religious high horse and say you should have made better decisions? Do we love people because Jesus loved us? Because the thing is, if it was Jesus riding by on that high horse, he'd look at us and say, you deserve to die for your sin. We serve others because of what it is that Jesus has done for us because we want to. When we follow the desires of our sinful nature, the results are very clear. When we give in to that dog that only wants to be fed the things that we want, When that's all that we focus on, Paul doesn't give an exhaustive list, but he starts with a list. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, and all of us do, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, putting things in place of God, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Those things are happening all over the place. It is Christians who divide the church against itself. When we say we don't do those things, it happens all the time. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying is anyone who chooses that lifestyle unrepentantly, without asking for forgiveness, without repenting and changing your ways, when you choose that lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You can go to these verses. You can go to chapter 5, 19 and go through 21. Then you can go to 22 and 23. These are the choices. These are the two dogs. These are the two desires fighting inside of you. We've been through the one, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness.
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This is who we should want to be. Which one of those lists would describe you? My guess is you're going to have at least a toe in both sides. You're going to have a toe in the water in both of those lists. If you've ever been angry, if you've ever been hostile, if you've ever said a harsh word, if you've ever divided one person against another, if you've said words that would divide somebody, you're in that first list. Pride gets in there. Anger gets in there. And then there's this list that describes the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's who we should want to be. You want to know, how can I be a better follower of Jesus? How can I love Him more? Focus on that second list in verse 22. See, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires. Listen to that language when you think about how Jesus went to the cross. Those who believe uh, belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified Him there. They died on the cross with Jesus. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let us not be arrogant or prideful. I talked a while ago about the number of things that I'm reading about spiritual narcissism that's happening in our world today. That because a Christian, someone who calls themselves a Christian, says, I believe it, the Bible tells me this, God loves me because this is who I am. It's spiritual narcissism. That's this list that Paul's got. Let us not become like that, conceited, prideful, arrogant, provoke one another, jealous of one another. To live as a Christian simply means to live like Jesus did. It's not real hard. To live as a Christian means to live as Christ lived, to be a Christ follower, to be a part of Christ's way of living. And then say, you know what, I'm not going to be able to do it on my own, but God, with the Holy Spirit's help, you can help me do it. You can help me do it more every day. And I'm going to stop choosing from this list for my life, and I'm going to start choosing more consistently from this list for my life. And the more that we do, we realize that, you know what, the the other people that we thought were so bad aren't nearly as bad as what we are. Which side are you going to feed? Which dog, good or evil, God or Satan? To live as a Christian means simply to live like Christ. We all want freedom. Everybody does. Maybe we want freedom from different things, and maybe we want freedom for different things. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you think that all your problems will be solved if this relationship ends. Maybe you think all your problems will be solved if you just had a little bit more money. Maybe you think that the the answer to everything you need is in that little bit of freedom that you're just dying to have, that extra breath. We all want lasting, enduring, irrevocable freedom. But it doesn't come from fighting or winning a war. It doesn't come from changing our circumstances. Freedom, the kind of freedom that we really want as people, only comes from Jesus. And that's a freedom that that exists in this life as we realize that we're choosing to make steps in our sinfulness to become more and more like Him. And then that freedom lives on forever in eternity in heaven. Because it's freedom that comes from the cross of Christ. It comes in death. The price was paid by His death. But then what do we do? We put to death all of those desires in us that are not like Him. How do we live as a Christian? 
we consciously choose with the Holy Spirit's help to not live, no matter how much we want to, no matter how good it makes us feel, no matter how much you think you deserve it, we consciously choose with the Holy Spirit's help not to make those decisions anymore. So then God, in His wonderfully, infinitely wise way, helped us with this. Because all of those things are put to death on the cross of Christ. And Jesus said something the last night that He was alive with His disciples. He said, do this until the Lord comes again. Do this until I return. Remember my death until I return. And so we celebrate Holy Communion. We celebrate the Last Supper. We're going to do that now. If you're a communion assistant, you can come forward at this point and start getting things ready. If you're at home, uh, this is where you get something for bread or juice. Uh, if you're in a deer stand, grab whatever's left of your roll or a cookie or your snack bar and your coffee. The deer won't mind, I promise. And we're not going to celebrate that our sins are forgiven. That's missing the point. What we're going to do is we're going to take time and remember why. And the reason why is because Jesus, even while you were still a sinner, even right now today, the life that you're living, Jesus gave his life for you so that you could know freedom. Not the freedom that the world seeks, but true freedom, lasting freedom, eternal freedom in him. It's a reminder that our sins are forgiven, but it isn't something that we do because that would be a work. That would be us doing something right. Your sins aren't forgiven when you come forward and take communion. You are reminded of why it is that your sins are forgiven, of the price that was paid, of how much God loves you. So on the night in which Jesus would, was betrayed, Thursday night, he sat down with his disciples and they had their last meal together. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Don't forget what it is that I'm about to do for you, Jesus said. And then again after supper, he took the cup. When he had blessed it and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them to drink and said, this cup is the new covenant or the new promise, the promise of freedom. In my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. When we take Holy Communion, what we're doing is we're remembering what Jesus did for us that we cannot do for ourselves. What we are reminded of in Holy Communion is that Jesus alone did for us what all the good works in the world cannot do to get you to heaven. It is only our believing in Jesus and His death on the cross. Let's pray. God, thank You for what it is that You've done for us that we cannot do for ourselves. Thank You, God, that as we celebrate Holy Communion, we're celebrating Jesus' obedience to Your will in His life. We're celebrating what seems like such a selfish thing. We're remembering that Jesus went to the cross and gave his life a perfect life, a life that had never known sin. Never once had Jesus done something wrong outside of your will. But he gave his life because we're sinners. In this time, God, help us to pause and to reflect and to be grateful and to remember what it is that Jesus did for us on the cross. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.
So Cindy's here. If the kids are too young to receive communion, she'd love to pray and give them a blessing. Our communion servers are here. You can take bread and either dip it into the uh, wine, which is the red liquid, or the grape juice, which is the lighter colored liquid. And then we still have the communion kits on the outside if you want one that's just a separate one for you. Peel the top off for the bread and you can peel the uh, next layer off for the wine. All is now prepared. Come forward when you are. If you want to take some time and conduct some business with God, uh, confess some sins, ask for uh, forgiveness. Say, God, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go forward and I'm going to recognize what Jesus did. It's going to be my act of repentance. And with your Holy Spirit's help, God, I want to do better for you. Not because I need to get to heaven that way because Jesus already paid that price. But I want to do better for you. All is now ready. Come forward and you are. We'll continue to worship. Uh, thank you to everybody that's here this morning. It's uh, Deer Opener. I realize that. The world's busy. There's a whole lot going on. For all of you that watch in the Deer Stand, thanks for joining us. Thanks for putting up with technology issues. Thank you to an amazing worship team. And we have a new fish in the Drumquarium. You want to introduce your new fish in the Drumquarium, Deirdre? Cody Strobin. Give it a hand. Give a hand to Cody. All right. Prayer corner lights are on. Lines begin now. If you'd like someone to pray with you or pray for you, come on forward. Here's my last thought. If you're wondering how to live as a Christian, stop fighting about what to do and just go out and live as a Christian. Realize that the price for you has been paid by Jesus and all you've got to do is go out there and live for Him. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is going to help you understand what that means. One more song before you go. Thanks for coming, everybody. Have a great week.